Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Dewey Burke. ACC tournament, gentlemen, starts Tuesday night. Today, if you're listening on Tuesday, tomorrow for us as we're recording Monday night, before Greg heads to Brooklyn. Dewey, I'm going to come to you first since I didn't talk to you post-Duke. Give me a little bit of the mindset of the team heading into the ACC tournament after not one but two tough losses and just going into an ACC tournament up in New York after a strong run and now the tough losses. Where do you think this team is mentally? I'm hopeful that they react the same way they reacted after we lost a couple in a row in January in the conference, which was to get themselves reengaged defensively, hopefully get healthy and get rested, and then they'll play better. I mean, to me, I've had plenty of conversations. We haven't done a podcast, but you talk about the last two games. We just didn't play well enough. I mean, it wasn't any rocket science to me. You got to make shots and you got to defend. And, Against Miami, we made shots but didn't guard them at all. In the Duke game, we made shots for 20 minutes. And to win over there on that kind of a night, with that kind of atmosphere, you had to make shots all 40 minutes and you had to guard. And we didn't do that for 40 minutes. So I'm hoping that they can re-engage defensively. Perhaps Coach goes back to some stuff he used to do a long time ago where he takes the rims off of all the hoops and they do a ton of defensive stations just to get sharp and refocused on that end of the ball. Because I think for the most part, we really scored the ball very well for the past four or five weeks, except for the second half of the Duke game. Our issues of late have been defensively. We've been not great guarding the ball again. We've been giving up uh, shots to three-point shooters again. So hopefully they're focused on re-engaging defensively, and we've got every chance to make a run in this tournament. We made it hard because we're the sixth seed now, but we can still make a run. One of the practices last week, actually after that Miami game, uh, we were told that it was 100% defense. So that, that probably speaks a little bit to, to what you're alluding to there, Dewey. Uh, this time last year, we had similar concerns. Now, granted, that team was better defensively uh, for a couple of different reasons, primarily because of you know, they had guys at the rim that could, that could defend in the paint. Uh, but those concerns were answered in the postseason, and, and UNC – ended up holding their NCAA tournament opponents to below 40% shooting for the entire tournament, which which is what it takes. They were able to find that next gear. The 09 team did the same thing. 05 did the same thing. What is it? What was the key for these guys to be able to flip that switch and, and all of a sudden become so much better defensively? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to answer that. You know, it's hard to get inside the mind of, of- – of players and, and teams that I'm not as close to as the ones I was when I played. But 
maybe it's the finality of it all, knowing that if you let your teammates down on this possession or that possession, that it could mean that it's over, that you're never together again. And that's a, that's a strange feeling when you start getting to this part of the year. You know, we've talked about this over the years, Tommy it, and Greg. It's just you start to have all these lasts. You know, Joel Berry and Theo had their last home game, obviously. They had their last game at Duke. They're getting ready to start their last ACC tournament. And then after the ACC tournament, next week, figuratively, when they depart for wherever they're going for the tournament, they those could be their last practices. This could be their last road trip. All those things. And I think thinking about it in that regard might have something to do with it. Uh, I don't know. But um, the only thing I would say when you think about this year's team versus last year's team, I think last year's team could have given up a little bit better shooting percentage to the opponents they played and probably still won some of those games because we had interior scoring. We protected the rim a little bit better. This year's team, to make a run in the tournament, not only do they probably have to hold opponents under 40% shooting, we also got to shoot the ball really well because we just don't get as many easy baskets around the rim as we are accustomed to. So the line is thin for this team, but there isn't any reason that they couldn't get hot again just like they did for most of February and do it again right now and make a run late into March and into April. They're capable, but it's just harder for this team. We've got to make a ton of shots. We've got to guard better. Got to be more active, get more deflections and more turnovers, and and maybe somehow find a way to get easy baskets. Because right now it's just they work harder than maybe any of coaches' teams ever had to get a basket. Greg, what Dewey just said there is kind of where I was going to go. And you know, watching them play Miami, they weren't really engaged at all defensively. But against Duke, they were just physically outmatched. And I see them on both sides of the ball there, and we kind of talked about it briefly off the air before we started this podcast, is that they struggle to score when other teams have uh, long athletic talent that can prevent them from doing exactly what they want to do. Like, they uh, all year they've gotten open looks from the wings on threes and been able to shoot over them. Well, against Duke, they weren't able to do that. And Cam Johnson was really the only guy – that could step 25 feet out and get an open look, Greg. So as far as that working so hard to score, I mean, it's a consistency thing uh, as well. But, you know, I think they can control the defense, but speak to the offensive issues they had in that second half against Duke. There was no flow. Uh, Joe Barry admittedly played a little bit uh, less aggressive than he has in the past. Luke Mays limitations were really on display i mean it's a matchup like that for north carolina is going to be tough no matter how well they play offensively but it's sort of like the football analogy that we used to have there's they can be so bad on defense it puts so much more pressure on the offense and i think that's where they are heading into the acc tournament yeah for sure you know this under roy this team is always going to be offense first i mean that's that's kind of his bread and butter tempo be aggressive, attack, uh, and he's had a ton of success with it. But without having the the inside presence that he's had in recent years, you know, Luke's had a, a fantastic year, but he's really doing it alone. Um, it does put a lot of extra pressure. I mean, the team has been very good. They're top five nationally in adjusted offensive efficiency. Uh, but a lot of that is coming from uh, cleaning up the offensive glass and hitting a lot higher percentage from three-point range than they have in recent years. And that makes up for some of those issues, trying to score the ball at the rim 
on first shot, you know, chances uh, and, and mid-range jumpers, those kind of things. I'm, I'm hesitant to put too much on the Duke game in terms of offense just because Duke has such incredible length, very much like Michigan State. And I think those teams are so much more athletic, uh, longer than North Carolina is this year. That that's just an incredibly tough matchup. That's a tough matchup for for most teams. Um, but but I do think it is a situation where what you saw in that second half, and Roy talked about this on Monday, is that you know Joel Berry uh, makes a bad turnover. Uh, Luke May uh, forced things in, on on transition, trying to dribble the ball off the court. Had a turnover. You know, Theo throws a, a rope uh, to Luke May on a, on a throw ahead, pass ahead, and ends up being a turnover. And those are his three most experienced guys. And so when those guys are making critical turnovers like that and wasting possessions, that's really where it really hurts you. And, and I mean, one thing North Carolina has, has been so good at in recent years is not only minimizing turnovers, uh, but but really, you're mitigating the damage once they do commit turnovers. And what I mean by that is, you know, in terms of you know, what their opponents do in terms of scoring off turnovers, UNC has really limited that damage. And this year, it's been worse than, than we've seen in the last three years. Uh, and and a lot of it's because they have some bad turnovers you know, in Miami, for example. Uh, that that one turnover that Joel Berry threw to Luke May, May wasn't looking. Miami gets it, runs down the court for an easy dunk. Uh, and so those are the types of things that really hurt you offensively, uh, even though it kind of shows up on the defensive end of the floor. Dewey, talking about that, and I agree with everything you say, Greg, but I want to ask you about the offense again, Dewey. One thing, you know, Greg mentioned cleaning up the offensive glass, but in years past, and maybe it's because they've had really active bigs last year, of course, with Meeks and Hicks and, and in the past with Bryce Johnson, but even the offensive rebounds and putbacks have been a chore for this team. It's offensive rebound, get back out and run the offense and get a shot. And, and they've taken advantage of those offensive rebounds, but they've had to work at it, which to me, I, I said something to this effect on Twitter and somebody said, I'm always negative, which I'm saying it's make this season much more um, impressive to me, especially the six game run in February. Um, but speak to how, um, Carolina can sort of work through that here in the ACC tournament. And is it, is it an advantage for this team um, to get a game under their belt before they play a Miami again, before they play potentially a Duke again? I mean, playing four and four is never good, but is it that bad for this team uh, this season? No, I, I, I'm with you. I tend to think that after you play – let's call it suboptimally. The first thing you want to do as a kid, as a college player is get another game in. So it's not the worst thing in the world that they get to play a game a day earlier versus having another practice there. They should be plenty rested and be ready to go. And then you got a chance at hanging a banner and coach Williams has been pretty clear on his opinion about the ACC tournament as it relates to crowning the actual ACC champion. But the tournament's there, so you go play. And there's no less intensity. There's no less preparation for the ACC tournament. And it's a chance for our guys to go play and get some things straightened out that right now are a concern. And we've talked about how it's a thin line. You made a great point about even though we are 
a great rebounding team, if there was a stat, obviously the stat is second chance points, but even a more drilled down stat that said how many of our offensive rebounds in years past or last year led directly to a basket in one or no passes versus this year, how many of our baskets off of offensive rebounds came after multiple passes. And the point there is, like you said, we had guys last year that would tip dunk it in and, and grab the rebound and just put the, lay the ball back in like Kennedy would or any of those guys. And it just doesn't seem to happen like that, even though we do well on the glass. Uh, so everything is just magnified. It's more difficult for us to score, which is why I always say when we talk, the line is so thin. And when you shoot so many jump shots, you either make them or you don't. If you don't, we can lose to anybody. If you make them, we can beat anybody. So, hey, if we get hot and now's the time, we can make a great run. But we also have to guard because I still think, just being honest, that this is a team that could make 15 threes and lose. But at the same time, if we make 15 threes and guard, we can beat anybody. Dewey, Tommy referenced this earlier, but Joel was very hard on himself after the game against Duke. And really, if you followed followed him all season long, even when UNC has struggled, he, he's tended to kind of put the team on his shoulder shoulders in the second half and, and has had some, some really good performances, even in losing efforts. Uh, do, do you think this team, uh, and I know Luke has, has been had a phenomenal year, first team all ACC, but do you think this team kind of goes as, as Joel goes, or is that – simplifying it too much got it i mean they have to i mean just everything well, from what i know from being around the program just a little bit when i was there for the duke game and but just the things that the staff says about him and and the way his actions are are followed by most i just think there's no other way i mean they look to him nobody's hit more big shots nobody's played bigger or better in the most important situations his whole life his whole career i mean kid's been a winner since he was 14 so, I mean, that's what he's done. And so in a big-time matchup like that, for him to just be off for whatever the reason was, one of the things that, that I noticed and I remember experiencing this, when you're a shooter, it's a very weird thing when your shot gets blocked. I don't know why. Uh, it's not the same as being a post guy and, you know, trying to dunk it or lay one up and it gets blocked by a, a big. You just go right back up there and you're so close to the rim. You know, it's it's not the same thing. For some reason as a shooter – getting a three-point shot blocked, it's such an odd, unorthodox feeling that I remember that happening to me before in my life that it just throws you off. And that's not to say he's not mentally tough enough to rebound from it. I just think he was he was thrown. The zone was funky. They had more length out on him. I think they shaded the zone to him almost exclusively the whole game, trying to make sure that he wasn't going to get off. I mean, it, on the one hand, it's amazing that Cam, as good a shooter as he is, could get so many open looks. But something about the way I watched that game led me to believe that Duke said, Joel Berry's not going to beat us. You know, we're going to shade the zone to his side. We're going to be up on him. We're going to have length at the top of the zone, no matter where he is, and just try not to let him get going. Um, And I just think, for whatever reason, he was off. And it's unfortunate because it was such a big game. But he's delivered so much for us in the past. I think he'll bounce back. I think the team will play as as he plays, and he's going to play great. It just comes down to can we guard and can we make enough outside shots? All those guys. Kenny's got to make shots. Cam, Joel, Luke, everybody's got to make shots. If if they do that, we can really have a really fun time over the next couple weeks. Uh, Or 
you know, unfortunately, I keep saying it, the line's just in. And if, if we have an off night and we don't guard them, we can lose to, to a lot of teams that are going to be, you know, a tough out in this tournament coming up. Greg, I want to take a break, but, but before we do, I mean, what Dewey just talked about um, is why having a point guard or having guys that can get to the basket is makes uh, a tournament team so much more dangerous. You look like look at Ty Lawson in 2009. I mean, if the shots aren't falling, guys can get to the basket and finish around the rim. And we see tournament teams or, or teams in the tournament make runs with guys just like that. And a lot of times it's teams that we haven't really heard about or, or you know, there are lesser named teams that have made runs, but your take and thought on that, I mean, Barry had been so good finishing around the rim and then ran into that Duke team where that just wasn't available with their length and size. Fortunately, there's not that many teams like that. Um, But if Carolina gets matched up against somebody like that against in the NCAA tournament, how does Barry respond? I think that's a huge question. Well, I think that the great example, and there's plenty of them to pull from, is but 2014. I mean, UConn was not expected to make any kind of uh, deep run. And then you know, Shabazz Napier takes over, 6'1", 180 pounds, very similar stature to, to Joel. And he just dominated the NCAA tournament and really lifted that team on his shoulders. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. If you're going to have one key player, uh, point guard would be it. And, I mean, just look at what Roy Williams has done. I mean, dating back to Kansas, but even at UNC, 05, Ray Felton, pretty good point guard. 09, Ty Lawson, pretty good point guard. Kendall Marshall, had he been healthy, no doubt that was the Final Four team. And then, of course, last year, what what Barry did, even two years ago. So he has proven that he can kind of lead the team. Uh, And as, as Dewey said, he's made so many big shots this year. And... I know a lot of fans, when you're watching games, you consider big shots to be shots there at the end of the game in the last couple of minutes. But there have been so many times, I mean, Syracuse is one that I think of, where you know, UNC had a lead and Syracuse goes on a charge early in the second half. And they, I don't think they ran off like six, seven points in a row. Barry drains a three. Syracuse goes on another run. Barry hits another three. And so two big shots that he made really allow Carolina to keep Syracuse at bay until they're at the very end. And he's done that all season long. And I think that's kind of the the key component is not only do we know that he's so tough uh, and he's really kind of the the emotional leader of this team, uh, but he can make shots. He's not uh, afraid to take those shots. And when he gets going, um, he's very tough. What he did at the end of the Miami game was phenomenal. I mean, you don't see that type of performance very often. He just completely took over. So he's capable of doing it. And Miami is a very good team. And that is a team that can make a pretty good run in the NCAA tournament. So for sure, you you want to start with a very good point guard. UNC has that. And he's also got some pretty good pieces around him. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, let's just talk about the ACC tournament as a whole. You know, these things are an all-week affair now. It's crazy that it starts on Tuesday. I miss the days of being... Uh, listening in grade school on Fridays, but we'll talk about it when we come right back. Dewey, Carolina, of course, gets a bye until Wednesday, but they'll play the winner of Syracuse and Wake Forest. And, you know, I don't really think it matters which one Carolina plays. They've had success against both, but I sort of think the Wake Forest matchup may be intriguing 
your take on that first round game and just in general on the first day of the ACC tournament. Yeah, you know, I was trying to think about that as we were preparing for this. My only thought, and this is getting into the weeds a little bit, was maybe it would be better for us to play Syracuse just because they play that zone and there's less possessions and our guys' legs won't be as tired. I mean, that might be a little bit of a reach, and you really don't care who you play. You know, Whoever wins is who you're going to get, and you got to go beat them. But uh, that was the thought I had about Syracuse. You know, I think we match up well with both of them. I don't think either of them should give us much trouble. Again, if we if we do it, I keep saying, and I don't. I feel like I've never been this simple on these podcasts on what it takes for us to be successful. But it's just guard them and make shots. And so from that aspect, it doesn't matter who we play. And I think the Syracuse game will be a little slower tempo, which is good for recovery for the next night. Should we win? Wake obviously hasn't had a a terrific year, so it would make their season if they could get a couple and get past us. I just don't think it matters. You know, our guys need to worry about our locker room and, and our preparation and just playing better than we have the last two games. And if we do that, I think we have no issue with either team. Dewey, UNC has the uh, the sad misfortune of being stuck with the nightcap. And if they win uh first couple games, I mean, their first three games potentially could be all 930 tips. Just from a player's perspective, what in the world do you do from the time you wake up in the morning until a 930 tip? It's awful. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's just brutal. And I remember some of the NCAA tournament games when I was playing tipping at 10-11, you know, not 10-11, actually like 10-11 or 10-12 tip, and you wake up at 7-15. And it's like, what am I going to do all day? I mean, some guys would have study hall and you take care of your academics if if that was something you needed to do and you you have a shoot around at some point, but it feels like you eat five times and you watch the clips a hundred times. It's just, it sucks. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Now being in New York, that's maybe a little better because the guys can go walk around just a touch, but you don't want anybody, you know, losing any energy in their legs by doing that. So you just try to kill time, play video games, Social media, obviously, I guess will take up some time for our guys, which I didn't have. We didn't have back when I was playing. Um, but we would sometimes get together and watch a movie or try to sleep or do whatever. But it's awful. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's just all day sitting in the hotel, waiting, waiting, waiting. It's uh, it's difficult. You almost get anxious about halfway through the day that you still have to wait another eight hours until the game starts. Yeah, looking at the schedule, it is brutal. And I'd think they probably start closer to 10 every night, except maybe if they get to the championship, which is set at 8.30. Greg, we mentioned the ACC tournament and Roy Williams' take on whether or not uh, that's the true ACC champion or whatever. But do you think in this era of uh, the unbalanced schedule where Virginia can win the ACC handily but only play Duke and Carolina once, do you think that maybe the ACC tournament has gained some importance on you know, sort of def- the de facto ACC champion, or do you think it's just kind of still the regular season? Well, I know Roy still believes it's the regular season. And I think the fact that you play 18 games and we're, what, two years away? Or is it next year? They moved to 20 games. Uh, and so when you're playing that many games, I, I do think it's a, a battle of attrition. Um, and if you can stay healthy and you can take care of some 
games at home and you can steal some on the road, um, you know, typically the best team's going to win out. I don't think there's any question, regardless of how the schedule is shaped up this year, that Virginia was the best team in the ACC in the regular season. Um, and I, I don't think how they play this week in New York is going to change uh, anybody's opinion on that. And so I, I, I agree with Roy. And I think a lot of people, and it kind of dates back to back before uh, the expansion of the NCAA tournament, when you had to win the ACC tournament to get into the big dance. Um, I understand that. And there is a lot of fun involved. But I, I really don't look at this much differently than I look at some of those preseason tournaments. Um, you know, a little bit more importance because it is a, a conference championship. The same structure, same dynamic. Uh, and it's just a weekend. And whoever gets hot uh, can make a run. And that's why I like the NCAA tournament so much because a team can get hot on a weekend. But it's hard to string that together for three weekends. And so there is a little bit of a unique dynamic there. Uh, but Roy... And Dewey can speak to this far better than I can. Uh, but Roy is very honest, and he makes no bones about it that the NCAA tournament is the most important. But that doesn't mean the ACC tournament's not important. Every time that guy steps out on the court, he wants to win. And it doesn't matter what it's at. It could be bowling. It could be golf. He wants to win. Uh, and so I think the fact that he's made the comments before that the NCAA tournament um, does reign supreme. People take that as a, a criticism of the ACC tournament, and I don't think that's how he intends it, uh, but that's just kind of how it comes across. Dewey, do you think it's important for this team to win something? And the ACC tournament may be the easier of the two for this bunch, but do you think that ending the season or, or getting through this part of the season with some sort of banner is – you know, it's always fun to do, but do you think this team really needs to get that done to think or, or to really cap this season as being a successful one? Or do you think that what they've done thus far meets your expectations? That's a great question. I mean, I think we've been really good at times and had some great wins, obviously probably highlighted by the win at home against Duke. And then we've been mediocre at times and, and not played up to what we were capable of. Here's what I know, just from having been in the program and been around it. Coach Williams starts every season with a conversation telling his guys, our guys, you're good enough to win the national championship, and that's our goal. And so I know that even though my senior year we won the ACC regular season and the ACC tournament, and that means a lot, and that's great, and I have a ring for that, all I ever remember when I think back about that and, and our season was that we lost to Georgetown and we didn't make it to the Final Four and we didn't have a chance to play for the National Championship. And I just – it's the – it's maybe the greatest gift that you have playing at a program like Carolina, but also is a little bit of a curse because that's the meter. That's the conversation. And when you play at Carolina and you play for someone like Coach Williams and you play with guys of the caliber that we – had as teammates, you know, my guys and, and the guys that we get now, you believe at the beginning of the year that you're going to win the national championship. You really believe it. And there are, just aren't that many programs that can actually truly in their heart believe that. You know, there's maybe five. That year in, year out, you actually think that. So you really – it's not like you get convinced of it or, 
oh, halfway through the season, we're really good, and maybe we can win the net. No. August 1st, you think that you're winning the national championship every year when you play at Carolina. And so that's what these guys have in their mind. Yes, they'd love to win the ACC tournament. That'd be great. Hang a banner. But you just – it doesn't matter. I mean, because when you're back in the summer, the conversation with the, the former guys is about the banners in the front, the big ones. And that's it. That's the conversation. So no one really cares, even in our own program, amongst the, the, you know, the former players as you have conversations. You've heard guys talk the last few years about it, the seat at the table. That's all anybody cares about is a seat at the table. And so if somehow, some way, this team could go on a run and win a national championship, that's all that matters. I, I promise you that. I know they'll say things. They enjoyed the journey, and it was great. And if they win the ACC tournament and then don't win the NCAA uh, championship, that, that that was a great thing that they did. But I promise you, the conversation on August 1st and the conversation on March 1st and hopefully the conversation on April, whatever it is, is – we came here to win an ass championship, and that's it. Solid stuff there. Interesting take. Uh, Carolina a little bit different than some other teams across the country, a lot of other teams across the country, and even in this state. Greg, I know you're heading to New York in a couple of days. Tell us what uh, Inside Carolina Beat Writer does, aside from cover Carolina, because I, I covered a couple of ACC tournaments back in the day, and one of them I had to cover all the games. And while it's brutal to sit at home and watch four basketball games all in a row, uh, covering them and having to do stories on four games back-to-back was absolutely brutal. What you up to this weekend or this week? Yeah, if I had to cover all the games, it would be brutal. But I actually get to be somewhat of a fan this week, which is nice. So I can actually go and have courtside seats and watch you know, elite-caliber basketball and not have to worry about uh, writing a story on it. And so that I actually get to enjoy that part of it. That's one of the neat things about postseason for me is that I've got a seat that I've, you know, I can sit for every single game if I want. And with North Carolina having the late game, uh, for us in internet land, it helps because we don't have a deadline. And newspaper guys, they all hate the 930 tips because they have 11 o'clock deadline and uh, those things don't add up. But for us, we can get stories posted whenever. And so with it being you know, late games, I can actually watch all the games uh, and then you know, cover the Carolina game at the end. So uh, actually, uh, it's always a fun week for me. Uh, but you also have you know, game coverage day after day. You have previews you have to write. I mean, that's the, that's the challenge is uh, you, you cover a game and then you immediately have to write a preview for a game that's going to take place in 20 hours. And so it's, it's challenging, uh, but it's fun and any time you're covering a team in the postseason, especially a team like North Carolina, that's going to win a lot of games. Uh, you get to see a lot of a lot of interesting things. Absolutely, ACC tournament starts Tuesday. Carolina winner of Syracuse and Wake Forest Wednesday night, probably nine thirty, quarter to ten. Dewey, I know we'll talk to you again soon. Greg, safe journeys, my friend. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.